Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fake TV Critic, a podcast where I discuss the week's biggest TV news headlines, recap and analyze some of my favorite shows, and let you know what you should be watching. Let's get started with some news. Um, Most exciting to me personally, and hopefully to you, my fellow millennials who may be listening to this podcast, is that just this past weekend, Kenan and Kel announced that they are doing a Good Burger sequel. And I just about fell out on the floor. This was not on my 2023 bingo, but I feel like I won anyway. Bingo. Um, I Okay, the original Good Burger came out, and I want to say 1997, I believe. And I saw it in theaters with my babysitter from that summer. Um, if you're unfamiliar, Good Burger, the movie, was one one of no not the first one of the first nickelodeon movies it was based on or a spin-off of a sketch from all that which was like the kid version of snl that they did and it was keenan thompson kel mitchell keenan obviously now a cast member on snl um kel has done things <laughs> he had another nickelodeon show recently i think maybe it's still happening game changers but anyway they played employees at a fictional fast food restaurant called Good Burger and Kel plays Ed who is you know an airhead and Keenan played Dexter who takes advantage of him and is like a you know like he has great ideas but can't execute them and the original movie did very well it's one of my all-time favorites it's not good let me throw that right out there like many of the things that I discuss on this podcast that I enjoy it is not actually good uh but it is especially for children, ridiculously entertaining and very silly and over-the-top and cartoony and dumb fun. I loved the first one. When the first one came out, there were talks that there was going to be a sequel almost immediately, and it was going to be called Good Burger 2 Go with the number 2. And I remember, I forget what the plot was, but I remember they made a novelization of it, of like what was potentially going to be the sequel. And I read it when I was in like, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade, it came out. So this sequel has been kind of like being bandied around for, what is that? Over 20, 25 years, something like that now. And then now it is coming to fruition. And both Keenan and Kel are coming back for it as producers and as stars. They're reprising their roles and they're going to be playing or the plot has something to do with uh, Dexter is like an inventor or something and he fails at it. And then after his latest invention, he goes back to work at Good Burger. So, and Ed still works there in his like 40s, I guess, <laughs> or 50s, I don't even, maybe 50s at that point. Um, and they have a whole new cast of uh, of workers that, that we're going to be introduced to. So... I'm very excited for this. It's going to be on Paramount Plus, and it's they're aiming to have it done and airing by the end of the year, which is a very quick turnaround, um, and makes me a little bit worried that it's going to be like garbage, because <laughs> they announced it this week. They're filming in May, and then it'll probably I guess it'll film for a month or two, and then they have a month or two to edit, which I know is like not unheard of, high hallmark, but. Uh, When you've been waiting over 25 years for something, I want it to be great. So I'm a little worried it's going to be trash, but it probably would be no matter what anyway. So whatever. Good Burger 2 coming to Paramount Plus by the end of the year. So excited. Okay, other things. Um, 
Kelly McCreary, this is not news for me. This is news maybe for you. Kelly McCreary, who was on Grey's Anatomy, she plays Maggie Pierce. I don't know who the, I don't watch the show, but I know lots of people do. Um, she is going to be leaving the show at the end of the season. So Grey's is in, I think it's 19th season and is probably getting renewed for a 20th. But like the person whose name is in the, sh- the show title, Meredith Grey, is no longer on it or will no longer be on it. Again, I don't know which. But yeah, Ellen Pompeo is leaving or has left. And now this doctor who or this actress, Kelly McCreary, who's been on the show for nine seasons, is leaving as well. So like I got I guess they gotta cut those costs somewhere. And they're and that's where they're choosing to do it. And then finally, uh Lance Reddick, who if you don't know his name, you definitely will recognize his face. He was on The Wire on HBO. He was on Bosch on Amazon Prime. And he's been in a, a whole slew of TV shows and movies. He's been currently promoting the fourth John Wick movie, which opens this weekend. And he passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly on Friday. Um I don't think anyone has released a cause of death, but it's nothing suspicious. Like it's 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 not, um, what was his name? Like Michael K. Williams, I think his name was when he passed away right after Lovecraft Country. That it was it was a drug overdose. Um, there was nothing suspicious about his death, but that he maybe I don't know had a heart attack or something, and passed away on Friday, which is very sad, um, and very surprising. I feel like we're hearing about a lot of these, like very sudden deaths and he was only 60 years old so Lance Reddick rests in peace um he has he has a bunch of stuff in the pipeline so we'll still be seeing him in the future and I think that may include season two of Bosch Legacy um he played the mayor of LA in the first eight seasons of Bosch I don't think he was on the first season of Bosch Legacy which but the second one's coming out in a couple months and I I I I it's in my head that he was filming for it, and I don't know why. Okay. Um, why do I always end? Like, if someone dies, I always put them last in the news. I should start with that so that it's, like, only up from there. But I always uh, just bring the mood down. Sorry about it. Okay. The renewals and cancellations. Um Bel Air on Peacock was renewed for season three. Season two is currently airing. Karamo from the Queer Eye, uh, the new Queer Eye on Netflix has, again, I talked a couple weeks ago about how daytime TV is, the face of it is changing so much and like what the hell's, apparently Karamo has a talk show. Did not know this until I saw that it was renewed for a second season. So Karamo, season two, daytime TV coming next year. Uh, Peacock also renewed Days of Our Lives, which moved from NBC to Peacock earlier this year for two more seasons. Amazon Prime renewed A League of Their Own for a season two, finally. This was my recommendation months and months ago to watch season one. Um, It wasn't always great, and it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be uh, based on my love of the movie, but I did really enjoy it. It's getting a second and final season of only four episodes, but hey, it's something. And then F-Boy Island, which I mentioned was canceled by HBO Max a few weeks ago, was renewed by The CW for season three. So I've also been talking about this for on and off for a few months whenever, you know, something big enough in the news happens. 
that the CW as we know it is ending in May, I guess, or sometime like before the before the new season starts in September, the new uh, TV season, the CW as we know it will be over. Um, it was bought by Nexstar, which is headquartered, and I think Texas is and is going to go after a live viewing audience and a live conservative leaning audience from what I understood. So I was very confused to read that they had renewed F boy Island and are going to be airing it on the CW. And also that they are planning a spinoff called F girl Island, which is the same show and just gender swap. So I guess instead of having a lead woman who a bunch of, hot dudes come to the island it's going to be a lead dude with a bunch of hot girls coming to the island which like do we this is just the bachelor in bikinis we don't need it anyway um so that i thought was very strange um but i mean it's it's cheap reality entertainment right like how expensive can it be to like rent a hotel on a beach somewhere and pay for a bunch of horny single people to come and wear bathing suits you know what i mean especially compared to like how much it must cost to do like an episode of The Flash in, if, in what would have been season 10 or something. So, I mean, I get it, but I also I don't understand what their programming strategy is going to be. Because so far, I think all that exists for the CW next season of what's currently on it is All-American. And then, so it's going to be All-American and F-Boy Island and F-Girl Island. <laughs> what? What the fuck? I don't, okay, whatever. There's your renewals, cancellations. Um, Amazon canceled Three Pines, which was, what was what's his name? Alfred Molina, I'm pretty sure, was the lead in that. It was like an Agatha Christie kind of thingy done after one season. Um, Disney Plus canceled Willow, the TV sequel reboot remake of the movie after one season. HBO, again, another long-running show canceled in Barry, which is an Emmy darling, a critical darling, is going to end with its upcoming fourth season, much like Succession. And also All Rise, which was on CBS for two seasons, moved to the OWN network for season three. Uh, The cast was released from their contract, so it's very likely that that has been canceled again now on the OWN network. Okay. Let's like, let's dip in and out of some TV that I have been watching. Um, So I just finished the second season finale of Mayor of Kingstown on Paramount Plus, which I do not recommend. I do not know why I even started watching season two because I did not like season one. I can't remember if I talked about it on the podcast when I watched it, but I did watch all of season one and um, I thought it was absolutely awful as did critics but like people online and like regular people seem to like it so I gave it a shot I did not like it um and this is kind of my issue like tangent but everyone I know and everyone I don't know (laughs) has been telling me for weeks to watch The Last of Us on HBO and I probably will at some point but When people tell me to watch something and it's across the board, like everyone says, watch Breaking Bad. Everyone says, watch The Last of Us. Everyone says, watch Game of Thrones. Everyone says, watch, what's the, uh, oh God, the show on Netflix that I can never remember the name of. I forget. There was something on Netflix that everyone was telling me. Clearly, I didn't watch it. Um, But... 
Oh, House of Cards. There it is. Um, everyone says watch House of Cards. Like everyone wants when when everyone agrees that something is good, uh, that's a sign to me that I'm not going to like it. And there's two parts of that. One is that um, I have something within me that just makes me react contrary to opinion. I don't know what it is, but like if I am bombarded, and this is going to come into play with my in with my in depth of a show later, if I am bombarded with people telling me this is the greatest thing, this is everyone's favorite thing, everyone thinks this is amazing, I don't trust everyone. I just don't. Um, so I am immediately inclined to dislike something that everyone else likes because. Um, I feel like if if everyone can agree that something is good, it can't be that good because people are dumb. <laughs> Across the board, people are garbage and have terrible opinions and have bad taste. So like if something is has like attracted the attention of like all of middle America and both of the coasts and everyone is in agreement that it's good. That to me says there's some like lowest common denominator bullshit about this show that like it's either not like, like there's no intellectual depth, but then it's also not silly enough to be a guilty pleasure. And it's in some in between place that I'm typically not interested in. But for the most part, not that I don't trust my friends' opinions. Andy recommends things to me all the time that I never watch <laughs> because, not because I don't trust her or that I don't want to, but like either it's too much or if it's, again, if it's something like a Game of Thrones or like this mayor of Kingstown where like everyone likes it and I go watch it, I'm like, what are you all talking about? Like, I, I think everyone I ever met in person, I tell the story of Breaking Bad where it was right before like the final season, I think, or one of the final seasons was going to air on TV and I had a DVR and they were doing um, a marathon of all of the episodes. And this was like before you, they, everything was on demand on like streaming services. So I was, I recorded the first like two seasons over a weekend and I was going to watch it. And I started watching it and I made it like two or three episodes in and I fucking hated it. And I was like, I started posting on social media. And I was like, guys, you are all fucking lying to me. This show is terrible. What is wrong with you all? And then everyone's response is like, just wait till season three. You have to get through the first two seasons and then it gets good. And I'm like, that's 26 episodes of TV. That's 26 hours of my life that I have to quote, get through before something gets interesting. I don't have this kind of time or patience. If something does not hook me in one, maybe two if I'm being very generous and they're short three episodes, I am not giving you my time. What was I talking about? <laughs> this is all to say that like things that people try to get me to watch, the times that I've tried, I've been burned for the most part. So I don't do it. And Mayor of Kingstown, I should have listened to my gut because everyone on the internet was like, this show is amazing. The critics are stupid. They're out of touch. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes critics are out of touch. Sometimes they expect too much. Sometimes they look at like, oh, this is a show with Jeremy Renner in the lead. It's a big budget. It's, I think, the first major show that Paramount Plus was airing as an original. It's Taylor Sheridan, who is like Yellowstone. Um, and that whole franchise and they just expected too much. And when it was basically just like a bunch of people talking and shooting each other and like gangs, 
they're like, oh, this is kind of like The Wire, but just not smart, which that that is kind of what it is. Um, and if that's the case, then they it's just not what they wanted or expected it to be. So I can understand the disconnect. The problem with Mayor of Kingstown is that when it got renewed for season two, the critics still hated it and people still loved it. So like normally if there's something where like the critics have, you know, just been expecting something that's not there or like they wanted, they got something that they didn't want or they wanted something that they didn't get, whatever, that they can then reevaluate it in season two and be like, okay, I'm now reviewing the show for what it is, not what I expected or wanted. The problem with Mayor of Kingston, like I said, is that season two was more of the shitty same. <laughs> so even though people still liked it, critics were like, no, this is still really bad. Like, it's really not just that I wanted it to be better than it is. It just is not good. And I agree. And I've watched now 20 episodes of this show. Now, part of why I watched season two is that the episodes were ridiculously short for a quote hour long drama. They were like 35 minutes without commercials that's that's a sitcom to me so I would like watch it on Sunday mornings with my coffee and nothing happens so it's it's such an easy show to like watch while I'm like checking emails and like grading papers or drinking coffee or like bleary-eyed facing the last day of my weekend um because legitimately when I say nothing happens the plot of Mayor of Kingstown if you're unfamiliar is basically Jeremy Renner drives around a town and people get shot that's the plot um, it's, it's depending on the week, is it the black gang that's getting shot, the Crips? Is it the Aryan gang that's getting shot? Is it the Mexican gang that's getting shot? Is it Jeremy Renner's character, Mike, who's doing the shooting? Or is it his friend, but gang leader, Bunny, who's in jail, who's doing the shooting? It's like, none of it makes any sense, logically. None of it is interesting. And like I said, nothing happens. And the whole, like... I literally couldn't tell you what the plot of this season was other than at some point Mike puts all the leaders of the gangs in jail to try to fix the outside because there was a riot in season one that like upset the balance of things, which is not good. The balance of things is that like Mike, who calls himself the mayor of Kingstown, is a fixer. Like he just goes around killing people and doing illegal things as his like fucking career um, to like fix the outside while they're on the inside. And then like, but then they're supposed to get out at some point and they don't and they do and and while Mike is out there, he's, like, looking for a stripper that he lost, who, for some reason, he's in love with. Like, that's the whole plot. Mike driving around, making deals, and then people getting shot or shivved in prison. Like, it's so boring. And Jeremy Renner is a good actor. He's not good enough to carry a show where nothing happens and there's no interesting characters on it by himself. So, I watched the finale of that. I... With Jer The whole issue now with this is that Jeremy Renner, and I can't believe I didn't talk about this when it happened, Jeremy Renner was run over by a snowplow earlier this year and, like, broke half the, the bones in his body. And um, now it's coming out in, like, the last week or so that he might just – he might retire. He might take a break so from acting. So, like, what does that mean for the show? I don't know. I hope the show is over because even in the finale, which this was the best episode of the season, there were like two scenes where things happened and they were things that like should have happened in season one. And it's just, it's, it's, it's exhausting, but season two of Mary King sound, the full season is now the full series is now streaming. If you are morbidly interested in like, 
it's I feel like it's a really interesting case study for people because most of the positive notices I've seen are from men. And it is a very toxically masculine show where like there are three or four female characters in the entire series. One of them is a stripper who is just passed around like she's a $5 bill. She is just, she goes from the Russian mobster to Mike, to prison, to a strip club, to a nut, to a, a, a gang leader that works for the Russian mobster. Like all she does is strip, do drugs and get rescued and or passed around to different men for no reason. Not even like for sex or anything. Like they just like keep trading her. Like I don't like, I don't get it. So her, Mike's mom, um, the ADA who disappeared halfway through the season and um, Mike's brother, Kyle's wife, who's pregnant because of course, because women exist to like, they're only exist in their relationships to men and to procreate. Right. So like it's, it is an inherently misogynistic show. And uh, so most of the positive notice is from men that I have seen on social media and in, um, like online user reviews and stuff like that. And I find that very interesting that like the thing that men are attracted to that like, or that men enjoy about certain TV shows is like, they don't need a plot. They don't need characters. All they want to see is war. That's it. They just want to see people getting shot, things getting blown up, women being treated as either Madonna's or, prostitutes like they want not they want no nuance they want no gray area all they want is shoot them up and horse that's it and so many shows that i have watched kind of fit into this narrative and this is the latest in in the line and like it kind of stands out in the tv landscape right now and maybe this is why i wanted to watch it in the first place subconsciously is that it stands out in the current tv landscape that is trying to be like more inclusive and more diverse and more um i don't know like more equitable you know like let's have more shows where women are you know people or shows that are created by women, written by women, directed by women that feature people of color in not just like gangster roles, which is what this show does. Um, let's have uh, flawed man, uh, male characters who maybe show emotion, like that challenge the idea of traditional quote unquote masculinity. Um, let's include queer people and trans people and people uh, with disabilities and et cetera, et cetera. This show is like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> no, not interested. And yeah, I don't recommend it. It's bad. But like, if you're more really curious, it's all on Paramount Plus. So there's that. I also have, uh, speaking of Paramount Plus, I watched the entirety of Wolfpack, even though I bitched about it a few episodes ago. It never got better. That's a lie. It got more entertaining, but it never got better. Like it, the, the show never really improved. The writing was still bad. The acting was still bad. The effects were still wretched. Um, but at least like stuff started happening and it got campier, I think, and more ridiculous, which made it at least more fun to watch. But it was very bad. Um, I'm sure it's going to get a season two because it was like all these articles coming out that like it was the most watched thing on Paramount Plus for weeks running and blah, 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 blah. Um, if not for Sam Michelle Geller, I never would have kept watching. And 
they did utilize her a lot more toward the end of the season and she ended up playing an actual role in the plot and that's great but uh also don't recommend that <laughs> paramount plus strikes out a whole lot for me but they're also my recommendation at the end of the episode so silver linings i guess what else have i been watching um i'm watching drag race this season is a shit show at this point as it always is i love this season i think i mentioned before that i think how much I'm enjoying the cast in particular and the dynamics of the cast. But we're now at the point where like the producers are making up reasons to send people home and to put people in the bottom and to like get the top three or four that they want for the finale. And for it to not just be Sasha Colby's drag race where she has three wins at this point, maybe even more because there's still at least one more challenge, maybe two that she has the opportunity to win. That it's not like these people have one win or no wins and here is Sasha with three or four. That they're just like spreading out the wins and like they literally this past week was the Rusical episode. And it was the best Rusical they've done since season six with Shade. I just wish they had sung live because there, were, there are singers in this season who I think could have done it justice. Um, and it was basically like a drag version of Footloose where instead of outlawing... Um, dancing, they're outlawing drag. And it was very funny and very timely which is creepy with everything going on in Tennessee with the banning of drag. So that was really fun. But then like for my money, Lucy LaDuca was the best one in the episode. She was the best performer. She gave the best performance in the show in, in the, in the Rusical. She looked great. Um, and they put her in the bottom for literally no reason. They gave her all positive critiques. And then we're like, well, the rest of the girls think that you shouldn't be here. So we're going to put you in the bottom. Like, it made no sense. Selena also was in the bottom. Selena Estides. And I think she was great, too. The bottoms, for me, should have been Lux and Sasha. But then they couldn't do that because the producers want both of them in the finale. And that's very clear now. So that's happening. Um, I think there's only maybe two or three episodes left they are now 90 minutes once again with untucked following so that's great um it's again like i said it's at the point where the the wheels start to fall off because you can see production scrambling to try to make up stories for the people who they are try not trying to make up stories try to make up excuses for the people who remain and try to make up reasons to send home the people that they do not have in their finale wish list so that kind of sucks because it's selena went home this week sorry spoiler for those you haven't watched yet not really a spoiler though because selena's been in the this was her third time in the bottom i think it was clear she was going to go home they wanted to send her home and they did and then it's clear based on them putting lucy in the bottom that even though she has two wins and probably should have won this episode they don't want her in the finale she doesn't fit with whatever their vision of the finale is so she's very likely going home next week um because the only other person i could see them sending home is mistress and if they were going to send mistress home at any point they would have sent her home already because she had a couple of really bad weeks where she should have been at the bottom and was not so there's that i'm guaranteeing a finale if there's a top four of anitra sasha lux and mistress and if there's a top three maybe it'll be anitra sasha and lux maybe that's when they'll get rid of mistress but that's happening. It's a really enjoyable season, but like like I said, it's getting to the point where the, the enjoyment is starting to seep out because you can see the wheels turning. Okay, and now finally, what I actually want to talk in depth about, even though I've already been talking in depth for 25 minutes, is Swarm on Amazon Prime. Okay, this show dropped in full on Friday. It is the new series by Donald Glover, 
who did Atlanta and who is Childish Gambino. He was on, wasn't he on Community? I don't know. Anyway, um, he did Atlanta. He was in Atlanta and he wrote, directed, and produced much of Atlanta. And he, as, as Childish Gambino, which is what I'm more familiar with him as, I don't watch Atlanta. But I do know, um, like I used to teach his This Is America video in my classroom when we were doing um, our visual interpretation unit. And he's a very interesting visual artist. And that's mostly what drew me to Swarm. That and the fact that there's there was so little information about it before it was released. Um, and when the first trailer came out last month, it, it became obvious that it was about, it was a satire of... Uh, Beyonce and her fans, which I am, I'm so sorry to say, not a Beyonce fan. I have never understood the obsession. I do not particularly like her or her music. I do not find her interesting at all. Um, I thought she was perfect in Dreamgirls because the whole point of Dina Jones is that she's supposed to be a blank slate that other people build upon. And I think that she is that, that she, I, like, I don't know what her personality is. I, I've had, I had issues with, I've never listened to Renaissance, but I had issues with the fact that like all of a sudden she's doing this like very queer, very trans friendly, not trans friendly, very, uh, like a style of music that was for and by queer and trans people. And she is now just sampling their shit and taking their shit and like not really like talking about trans and queer issues like there is an epidemic of trans murders and Beyonce ain't said shit there is are all these anti-trans bills in America and Beyonce hasn't said shit and then she won a Grammy and was like oh and thank you to the LGBT community like a little bit too late but okay and those are my issues with Beyonce and like any sane person can be like okay that's normal Beyonce fans no no if Beyonce does not win Album of the Year, which she did not this year, it means that everyone is racist. Um, if you hate Beyonce, it means that you deserve to die. That's just how the beehive Beyonce's fans work. And that's what this show is about. It is about a partially fictionalized version of Beyonce named Nyjah. Even though every episode starts with, this is not a work of fiction. Um, and then any... Uh, any resemblance or whatever to real people is intentional. <laughs> I thought was brilliant because it is, yeah, they're like, it's quote thinly veiled about Beyonce. It's not thinly veiled. It is just Beyonce. They just gave him a di her a different name. So Nyjah is the Beyonce stand in in this. And Dominique Fishback, who was in, uh, what the hell is What's the name of that movie? Judas and the Black Messiah? I want to say the one about the Black Panthers that Daniel Kaluuya won the Oscar for. I think that's what it was. She was in that. She was the she was the girlfriend of uh of the main character. Anyway, she plays Dre, who is an obsessive Nyjah fan. And is like kind of directionless. She like bounces around from job to job. She works in a mall. Um, she doesn't take shit too seriously she's broke but she has a roommate who is also her sister who like covers her rent but then she opens up a credit card and blows all her money in the first episode on two tickets to see Nyjah in concert um and the show takes place around the time 
when Beyonce would have released Lemonade. So by the end of the episode, we get a surprise release of a Nyjah album called Festival, and it's with visuals and shit, and it's, it's very Lemonade. So anyway, um, by the end of the episode, and I'm not going to give away much of the plot because I think it's better to go in not knowing anything because it's an experience watching this show. Um, a An event happens that triggers Dre into taking her fandom for Nyjah to the utmost extreme and she goes on a cross-country killing spree <laughs> of people who have written bad things about Nyjah on Twitter. So she basically takes her stand culture to the next level and just starts murdering people who have talked shit about Nyjah on, on social media, on Twitter in particular. And then so it's kind of, in a way, it's a little like Poker Face where we're now getting like a road trip kind of show where she stops in different places and we see her kill somebody. But then beneath the surface of this like horror, suspense, thriller, drama kind of show, there is a really biting commentary on fandom and stan culture which I found fascinating because I spend so much of my, not so much of my time, but I, on a daily basis, when I'm on the fake TV critic Twitter account, follow me if you're not, um, when I'm on that Twitter account, I spend every day I block or mute at least one Bravo fan account because the way people take up for strangers on the internet is just so wild to me. I so rarely feel the need to defend any celebrity or semi-celebrity or TV show or music, piece of music or movie or whatever on the internet. I don't, they don't need my help defending them. Like, they're fine. But, so to me, like, to see people coming so hard for, like, reality TV stars or musicians or fans of other musicians and, like, drag queens. It was, I just talked about Drag Race this past week. I blocked some account that every time I clicked on the Drag Race hashtag, they were like the top three um, tweets that I saw. And it was like awful shit about queens like Selena. Like, oh, thank God Selena's going home this week. I hate her. Or like manifesting Selena in the bottom so I don't have to listen to her voice anymore. Like, what? get a life. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what this show is saying is like, the, these are people who have made these celebrities the in the center of their universes in a very unhealthy way and dre just takes that unhealthy love or obsession or fandom or whatever you want to call it to the most unhealthy level and becomes a fucking serial killer <laughs> which honestly if you've seen some beyonce fans some lady gaga fans some drag race fans um you, Lana Del Rey, she has a lot of them too. It, it's not out of the question to think that some of them would kill for their queens, their mother. Do you know what, like, this show is to me so fascinating because they present it in a way about... The second to last episode, this is a spoiler that I want to talk about, but if you haven't watched the show yet and are interested, um, know this is a spoiler, but I mean, it's not a huge spoiler. That like there's an episode 
where they completely shift the um, the composition of of the series and basically like do an episode that's like a mockumentary, like where the characters were. It's, it's like we're watching an episode like on the ID channel or something where it's like a true crime recounting all of these murders and we follow a detective who kind of like breaks it open that Dre is the killer, right? But we see like who Dre is supposed to be in quote real life and they have clips of Donald Glover talking about working on Swarm that they put in as if he's talking about this show that is like a recreate, as if Swarm is a recreation of a real thing. Like as if Swarm is the mockumentary, not that this episode is the mockumentary. And it's a really interesting episode. It doesn't, I don't, I don't think it totally works, but it was very, it was cool to watch and it kind of, you know, it filled in some blanks of the characters. Um, but because of that episode and because that's the framing of the, of the show, I think that's super interesting because I could see this show being real. I could see people taking their fandom to the level that Dre does. I could see fans of certain singers, Taylor Swift's fans are maybe the worst. And like hunting down people who don't like them and shaming them or killing them because they do that. Like they will post tweets from accounts be like, go get this person. They don't like our queen. Mother is mothering. And will like drive them off the internet or dox them or whatever. So like, it's not a far stretch to think that you might, you know, be crazy enough to like find these people in real life and do something to them. Um, so that's what I found most interesting was it's satire of like the way people on the internet need to, um, go outside and like live their lives and not devote all of their time and energy to these people who will never know them, who maybe are just like stand-ins or representations of things that are missing in their lives. Like that's what maybe, maybe that's why I am not a stan is that I don't like the closest I'll get is like to Madonna. And I have defended Madonna before, but never like, again, she doesn't need my help, but like just to, to call out like misogyny and ageism when I see it, like that kind of thing with the Grammys and Madonna had her quote new face and everyone was like, how look at this alien. How could people, why do people think this is attractive? And it's like this, this, this is going into misogyny and like Ben Affleck was also at the Grammys with the new face and no one said shit. So like stop attacking women for doing things because the reason people like Madonna do things like this is because they're told by people like you, they need to. And then when they do it, they say it's not good enough and then they try to fix it. And it's a never ending cycle of like emotional abuse that people like Madonna and other women in public go through. So like I have, I have called that shit out. Like I've, you know, not like Madonna's queen. How dare you? No, but like, Check your misogyny, bruh. Things like that. Um, the closest, That's the closest I've gotten to stand-up is Madonna. But, like, Madonna doesn't fill a void in my life in any way. I just really love her, and I've loved her my entire life, and I, I think she's very talented in her music and what she represented when I was a kid and all that. Like, I love Madonna for who she is, not what I think she brings to my life. And this show, Swarm, very much is about people filling empty places within themselves with music, with obsession, with social media, 
with these like fleeting connections that can only end in violence because we're on to the next thing. Um, that was really interesting to me, that commentary. Um, the commentary on like, I don't know, the way that black women fall through the cracks in good and bad ways, you know, well, not good and bad ways in that like, it's framed around like, why didn't anyone suspect Dre of being the killer? Well, it's because she's a black woman and we just don't think of black women as serial killers. So she fell through the cracks. But like what that actually is commenting on is how we tend to ignore the stories and the suffering in particular of black women in culture and in media. Um, and we don't really address that unless it's for entertainment value. So I thought that was really interesting. And like, just like I said, the my, the main reason I wanted to watch this was one, because I'm not a Beyonce fan. So to see a satire of Beyonce fans, I thought would be entertaining. And it was for the most part. But is that Donald Glover is such an interesting visual artist. Like if you go watch the This Is America video, um, it's so, it's so, I, I don't want to say interesting again, but it's so fascinating the way the camera moves, the setting itself, like this empty warehouse where we're just moving from set piece to set piece and the violence juxtaposed with joy. Like there's the scene in that video of the choir being mowed down by an AK AR-15 or AK-47, I don't know which, um, as they're singing worship music. Like that juxtaposition of um, violence being committed against people in churches because that's when they are at their most joyful I thought was super cool and very thoughtful and that kind of goes throughout the thing where it's like you see people dancing but then getting shot or you see people um like dance it like they're or they'll be like double dutching but then running from the cops in the next scene like things like that I just found very thought-provoking and that's part of why I wanted to watch this and that does not disappoint the the style of the show is can be very um i want to say isolating like it can make you it can feel disconnected like you're very aware that you are watching a stylized series with like the jump cuts and dominique fishback is fucking amazing on the show she's so raw and angry but then funny sometimes like it's being described as a horror comedy i never found the show itself all that funny i like i never laughed but like the way uh, Dre's body, Dominique Fishback, the way she like ticks and moves sometimes and like will linger staring for one second too long before just turning around and leaving was very unsettling and also kind of funny sometimes. Um, so like visually kind of like the, the way the cuts and the performance and the colors and like there's the scene that's the poster for Swarm is uh, of Dre mopping up blood on a white floor as she's dancing. And just like seeing that image of like the stark color on the white and much like This Is America, like she's just committed a murder and is cleaning up after it, but she's joyful about it. She's dancing. She's listening to her favorite music. It's, it's a really, um, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's, it, it makes you, 
it makes you question both what you are watching. I mean, like, why is this enter? And I think this is another part of it of like, why is this entertaining to me? You know, it's, it also is a critique of true crime in a lot of ways of like, why do we find enjoyment from people's pain? Because once we learn, you know, what happened to Dre in her past and why she is so broken and why she connects so deeply with Nyjah and with her sister and with these random strangers like Billie Eilish is in the show and she has a very unsettling uh, character that she plays that Dre has an instant connection with. Why does Dre connect with these things in the way that she does? And it's because she comes from such a deeply dark and broken place that we're now watching for entertainment's sake. I thought that was a really, um, a, a really thoughtful approach to a character and a series like this. But overall, Swarm is it. I don't know if I would call it enjoyable, and I don't know if I would say that I liked it. But I think it's one of those shows where you're not meant to enjoy it or like it. You're meant to think about it. You're meant to dissect it. You're meant to talk about it. And that's part of why I loved that it was released all at once is that if this had been released weekly, I don't think I would have been as invested in Dre's story and in the way that it was being told as much. So like with that jarring sixth episode with the format change, I didn't find it as um, not unsettling, but not as as, uh, as weird or as out of the box as other people did. Like it didn't take me out of the show and make me, I don't know, like have to rethink it or enjoy it any less or not in board, whatever. Because I had watched the first five episodes back to back to back and then went right into the finale. So binge the whole thing. It invites itself to be binged. The episodes are very short. They're between like 25 and 39 minutes a piece. And there's only seven of them. And it's, if you are a stan of someone, I can see people being like, this is fucked up. This is ridiculous. I can see people like not, connecting with it but for those of us who are maybe maybe don't understand like myself how people get that invested in the lives of others in in the art or whatever of others it's kind of illuminating and also scary so swarm the whole series is now streaming on amazon prime Okay, my recommendation for the week is, like I mentioned earlier, on Paramount+. Plus. It is a new young adult supernatural series called School Spirits. Um, the first three episodes were released on, I don't know, like two weeks ago. And then a fourth episode just dropped last week. It, the episodes come out on Thursdays on Paramount+. Plus. It is about a girl who was murdered in her high school and she then haunts it as a ghost and she meets a bunch of other ghosts of people who died in or around like immediately on the grounds of the high school and but she's the only one who can't remember how she died and she needs answers uh because otherwise she like can't move on and whatever so she um stalks the school tries to find clues and shit and then she finds out that she's able to talk to her best friend who is still alive in the places where people have died there's like a weakness in the i don't know dimensional barrier or some shit 
And then, so it's it's a murder mystery. It is a a study of addiction in some ways. It's a romance in some other ways. It's it's really I don't I don't know what it is that it's like. You know, so it's it's very similar to shows like UPN, the WB, the CW that they would have come up with, but kind of like the best version of those. Like it's Riverdale season one. You know what I mean? Like it's the acting is good. The the writing, I mean, it's a ridiculous story, but they play it so earnestly that you like feel for the characters and you buy into the world of of this like high school or whatever. And they're really good about defining the rules, which I think is always important when you're doing a supernatural thing of like who can see you and why and when and where. And um, it's very diverse. There are the side characters are actually my favorite part. The first ghost that, um, and I can never remember her name, like uh, the Peyton List is the actress that she meets is a ghost named Charlie who is a queer Latino kid who died in the 90s and his crush from the 90s is now a teacher at the school and running the GSA like that's such a cute and sad and poignant side plot um, I just really love it, it it's, it's so easy to watch and it's so endearing. It's very much a teen drama with a supernatural twist and not like a supernatural drama. Like it's not the Vampire Diaries. It's not um, supernatural. It's more like it's about the characters and they happen to be in a supernatural situation. Um, and I really enjoy it. Episodes are coming out every Thursday on Paramount+. Plus. And as you heard from the beginning of the episode, it's right now the only good thing that Paramount Plus is doing. Although All-Stars 8 should be starting soon. So we have to fucking pay for this damn service again when that happens. And then Good Burger 2, obviously. So, so yeah, School Spirits is my recommendation. All right. Um, that about does it for me. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Fake TV Critic. I'll be back soon with more recaps, more news, more reviews, more analyses, and more recommendations. Have a good one, everyone.